Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Amen. Again, I want to, you can be seated. I want to teach tonight. Amen. I want to utilize this text and the chapters, uh, really the entire, I guess, story of Joseph, mainly in Genesis 37, but talking to us about finding purpose in the pit. How many of you can think of at least one situation in your life that just feels like it's the pits? And uh, I, I want to talk to us tonight about finding purpose in the pit. Now, the word pit is rarely a word that we use in a positive connotation. Right? We're not saying, man, my life is the pits, man. It's awesome. And th- th- this situation is the pits. I mean, I wish you could experience what I'm experiencing because this situation is, is the pits. No, we don't use it in that manner. When we say life is the pits, we're not referencing mountaintop moments right geographically speaking a pit is a deep hole in the ground figuratively it's used to describe a circumstance or a situation that is rock bottom right it really can't get much worse than it is it's the lowest of the low and a dire situation when we speak of something that is the pits we don't want to be there it's it's bad news Right? It's relationships that you know, if we're, we feel stuck in. Right? Don't, don't look at your spouse right now. I'm not talking about that one. Right? You committed to that one. All right? but, but the pits, is, it's, a, it's a bad place to be. Now, we have the capability and the privilege to read the story of Joseph from a Cliff Notes point of view. Over the course of four chapters... It might take us about 30 minutes to read the entirety of the story of Joseph from his birth to his death. And so we get to see Joseph seated on the throne at the end of the story as the second most powerful man in all of the world in that era of time. So when we go back to Genesis 37 and we read about Joseph in the pit, it's four or five verses that Joseph is in a pit. And so to us, reading through that story, it's, you know, we know that he's going to get to the throne, so it's not really, the the pit is like a temporary inconvenience. It's a minor inconvenience as we, the reader. But if we put ourselves into Joseph's shoes, the pit is anything but a temporary inconvenience. My wife and I were talking today about the founding fathers of our nation, how that today we read about the George Washingtons and you know, the, 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 the uh, Patrick Henrys and those Benjamin Franklin, those men that founded our nation, that time of revolution where they uh, stood up against the tyranny of England. And we read about them in history and manage, you know, they're heroes and they did a great thing. But in their time, it wasn't always viewed that way, that they were revolutionists and there were people that would stay away from them because they, they were it wasn't popular opinion to do what they were doing. Now, at the end of it, we can look back and say, man, they were heroic and they did great things, but in their time, 
they were risking their very lives to take the step that they were taking. And so kind of in that context, we look at Joseph's story and we look at it from the end of the story, knowing that he ends up on the throne. And, you know, what's a pit when you end up on a throne? But in the moment, if we put ourselves in Joseph's shoes, the pit is anything but, an incon- but, a, but a temporary inconvenience. It, it's much more than a minor inconvenience, much, much more than just a, a little situation that he's having to go through. For Joseph, the pit looked like the end of the road, right? It was painful. It's not like he woke up the next morning after the pit and it's all over. That, that's not it at all. He didn't wake up the next morning and back in father's house and restored to a place of prominence. No, if you know the story, he wakes up the next morning as a slave in Egypt. Now, just a day before the pit, looks like literally all the stars are aligning in Joseph's life. Everything is looking good. A day before the pit, right, he's, he's back in father's house. He has a dream that is crystal clear. He has the favor and the support of his fathers. I, 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 probably if we were to look at Joseph, probably much like most of us at 15 or 16 years of age, he knew exactly how his entire life was going to go. Right? He's going to be a professional baseball player, make millions of dollars, and marry the best-looking woman in the world. Amen. That, my dream, only one of those came true out of that. I'm not a millionaire and I didn't play professional baseball, so you can figure out which one came true. So Joseph, I'm sure, has it all planned out in his mind. This is how it's going to go. I've got the dream. I've got dad's support. The environment is right. Everything, I know how it's all going to work out. It all makes sense. I've got all the resources that I need to make this dream come true. And then the pit. This pit was more than just an inconvenience more than a setback or a simple detour on the way to Joseph recognizing his dream. But but I believe that without the pit in Joseph's life, there never would have been a throne. There never would have been um, multiplied influence through Joseph's life if it hadn't been for the pit. You see, the pit was necessary. The pit was not part of Joseph's plan, but it was absolutely part of God's plan for Joseph. There never would have been the ability, without the pit, there never would have been the ability for Joseph to rise to the second in command of the most powerful nation in the world. And so there is purpose in the pit. Tell your neighbor there's purpose in your pits. Amen. They say raise your hand if you're sure. All right. Back in school, some of the cutdowns, they would say, they would say your, your right guard turned left. And anyway, we're not talking about those pits tonight. So I, I do want to share some things that I think are going to help us tonight because I think in some situations we're, we're all in the pits together. Some of the things that we're going through, we've been in the pit together. But no matter what the pit is, when our life is in God's hands, there's purpose in the pit. The first thing that I want to say, the first purpose that I find in the pit is that the pit revealed Joseph's enemies. All right, the pit revealed Joseph's enemies. And so just let me make it real plain. What I'm telling you is the pit will reveal your enemies. And, and maybe more pointedly, the pit will reveal the enemy of God's dream for your life. 
All right. Because here's the fact, we don't really know who our friends are or who our enemies are when we're on the mountain. Right? When things are going well and you're in dad's house and there's favor, the en- you don't really know who the enemies are. You, you don't really know who your friends are and who your enemies are. When you're making millions of dollars, I, I've heard, that you don't really know who your friends are and who your enemies are. But if we follow the progression of the feelings of Joseph's brothers towards him, I want us to follow this progression because I, I think this, can, this is maybe, an, uh, maybe a... A side note for us, both in dealing with people and also our own feelings. In verse number four, the Bible says, when they saw the father's favor, they hated him. When when they saw dad's favor was on Joseph, they hated him. Now, that can be twofold. That can be us looking at others. How many of you ever had to fight that? When you see somebody else, there's favor in their life and you don't feel that favor and there's feelings towards them. And it can also be coming at you, right? Other people see the favor that is there and and so there's kind of some animosity there. But it starts in verse 4. When they see the Father's favor, they hate Him. It doesn't end there because now it it grows in verse 8. The Bible says they hated Him yet the more. For what? For His dreams and His words. So it starts with the father's favor creates hatred. But now that hatred increases when they hear his dreams. But it doesn't end there. And I think maybe this can be an internal check. Because if we don't take care of hatred, if we start noticing God is blessing somebody and we start feeling feelings, you need to pray. Get that out of your heart. Because if you don't, and you're going to start hating them yet the more. All right? It's going to become, it's going to be a, a more hatred when you start, the more they talk about the Father's favor, and the more they talk about their dreams, the more that grows within you. And, and, but, it, but it doesn't end there. Let's go to verse 11. Here's where hatred that's not dealt with goes. Verse 11 says they envied him. What did they envy him for? Because even though they hated him, he kept dreaming. Even though they tried to let Joseph know, we don't like you. The Bible says they could not speak peaceably to him. Isn't that, that just stinks when you really want to hold somebody down and no matter how hard you try, they just keep rising. Right? No matter how much you don't want them to be blessed, they just keep getting blessed. And the Bible says because he kept on dreaming in spite of their hatred, he kept on dreaming and that turned into envy. And when we don't deal with hatred... When we don't deal with that animosity when somebody is getting blessed and maybe we're not. When we see the favor of God upon somebody and we don't feel like we're getting the favor the same way in our lives. If you don't deal with that, it becomes envy. We're going to talk about that. And and yet in spite of all of this, Joseph seems oblivious to his brother's contempt for him. How do I know that? Because he went to the field alone. If if Joseph would have known how his brothers really felt, I promise you he wouldn't have gone to the field alone. But I just kind of imagine Joseph is a little uh, flighty, you know, kind of skipping down, picking up dandelions and flipping them in the air. And everything is good and there's butterflies everywhere and dandelions. Life is perfect. Life is good. He never would have gone to the field alone, away from the safety of his father's protection, if he would have known how they really felt about him. 
Yeah, he heard their remarks. He, he saw the way they looked at him. But I think Joseph, ah, just brothers, you know, that's brothers. You know, we all fight sometimes. They really love me. I'm, I'm sure they're really rooting for my dreams. I'm, I'm sure they really have, you know, they, they, just like dad, they want what's best for me. But in verse 18, when the brothers see Joseph coming, they conspire against him. And, and their, their conspiracy theory is maybe not what some of the other ones, their, their conspiracy is, let's kill him. Right? They're conspiring, and their words are, let's kill him. And then, what did they say? Then we will see what becomes of his dreams. All right, this, and here I think is, a, is an important note that if, if we start, I think one thing we need to be careful of is we give too much attention to our haters. I mean, social media gets filled with it. We're like, all oh, my haters, watch what God, I'm my haters. My, I don't have time to give attention to my haters. Because my haters aren't after me anyway, they're after my dreams. All right, this isn't personal. You can't let it become personal when other people become envious of what God is doing. And you can't let it, if you let it become personal, then guess what? You return to them exactly what they're bringing at you. Don't give attention. Don't, don't even, if you're posting about haters, then you're already in the soup. Your, your goose is halfway done to being cooked. I don't have time to give attention to my haters. They, their, their conspiracy against him is not about Joseph. It's about destroying his dreams. And let, the enemy is not after you. He's after your dreams. He's after your destiny. He's after what God is trying to do in your life and through you. And when God gives you a dream that is placed within you to influence multitudes, he knows, God knows that your dream cannot survive surrounded by those that are conspiring to kill it. Dream, dreams can't die in hateful environments where people are sitting back conspiring. When people are sitting back conspiring and, and kind of, you know, they're, they're daydreaming. I can't wait till the day till that, till that sucker fails. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it all come crashing down. Now, again, don't go around looking for them, but, but they'll be there. And that's what the pit will do. The pit will identify those people. The pit will identify the people that are just waiting for your dreams to die. And, and, and God knows that your dream, that dream that he's given you to influence multitudes cannot survive in that environment. So there had to come a place where Joseph's enemies were revealed, not just revealed, but God had to isolate him from the envy that they had toward his dreams. God said, I've got to get you away from envious brothers. I've got to get you away from people that, are, that hatred is being harbored in their heart because of the dreams that I'm developing in you. I've got to get you away from them because if I don't, envy is going to kill your dream. Because envy will take a dream and use it for personal gain. Envy wants fruit without labor. Envy wants triumph without toil. The human emotion of envy is defined as a feeling of discontent or covetousness with regard to another's advantages, success, and possessions. All right, Sunday morning, Reese said, Pastor, you got to see my car. Said, All right, Reese, let's go see your car. I walk out in the parking lot. Joker's got a brand-new red Corvette. And I started conspiring. I said, hmm. I even tried to use Scripture on him. I said, you know, the Bible says that you should give 10% to the man of God before. So I'll drive it for the first 10 years, and you can have it for the next. 
But, but that's envy. Envy is when I see what you've got and I want it. I see your dream and I want, I want your dream. I see what God is doing through you and I want that. I want you get a promotion, I want that promotion. You get a blessing, I want that blessing. Notice, but here's what envy does. It covets the end result. Okay, it covets the red Corvette. It doesn't covet whatever Reese had to go through to get that red Corvette. It covets the end result. It doesn't covet the work that it takes to be successful. It covets that perfect marriage, but it doesn't covet all that it's taken to get that perfect marriage. It covets that perfect home and that perfect family. They look back, man, I wish my family was just like, well, your family could be just like that if you'll do the same things they do. All right, y'all are getting quiet on me. It doesn't covet the work that it takes to be successful. It doesn't covet the price. I don't covet the payments Reese is making. I, I don't even know what they are, but I promise you I don't covet those. He's a single young man. He can afford whatever they are. He can afford it. I'm not a single young man. All right. I, I promise you I can't afford the insurance on a red Corvette, let alone the payment. But, but that's what coveting does. It wants the red Corvette without the payment. It wants the fruit without the labor. I just want the end result. And I would say that within the scripture, there are few human emotions as dangerous as envy. Because people that become envious begin coveting position without patience for the process. People that allow envy, again, starts with a little bit of hatred. When I see the Father's favor, hatred. Then when I hear your dreams, more hatred. Then when I don't deal with that and I hear you, I see you dreaming, even though I've tried to let you know I'm not happy for you, and yet you're still dreaming, then it turns into envy and I want what you've got, but I don't want to pay the price for what you've got. And here's the end result, same as it was for Joseph. People that become envious, people that hold on to envy, they will kill when the right opportunity presents itself. Here's Reese, let's all give Reese a hand clap. He brought the keys to the pastor tonight. All right, amen. Let's all give Reese a standing ovation. Red, red Corvette for pastor. When, when we don't deal with envy, we will kill when the opportunity presents itself. Maybe not physically, I hope not. But when the opportunity comes and, and, and Joseph is alone in the field and dad's hand isn't on him, and I've got the opportunity now and nobody will ever find out, I will. it may be in a conversation where that person's not around, you kill them with your mouth. What does the Bible say? Power of life and death are in your... And that's what envy will do when we don't deal with it. We will kill our brother and sister. When their dreams are becoming reality, we'll kill that dream, maybe with our tongue, maybe even worse, we'll conspire. How am I going to make sure that, that their dreams don't come? That's what they said. We will see what becomes of their dreams. And we'll try to maneuver the situation to make sure that their dreams don't come to pass. So I'm giving you a little free lessonette sermonette, lessonette, on the danger of envy. And I'm not condemning because I think all of us have dealt with it. Again, I was honest. I was transparent Sunday. I walked out in the parking lot, and I dealt with a little bit of envy. I was being humorous, but I've, I have absolutely I've dealt with real envy, real jealousy when I saw somebody else being blessed and I wasn't being blessed, and I've dealt with that. Why? Because I'm a human being. The same reason you have, even though you want to do that right now. You can do that. It's okay. Because you have, we all have, it's human nature. 
Okay, it's not whether or not we're faced with it, it's whether or not we hold on to it. So there are two types of people. So this is our lessonette on envy. Those that are eager to learn and those that are eager to express what they know. Those that are hungry for position and those that hunger for the process. Talking to us tonight about developing in ministry, developing in our dreams. Those that are eager, that are hungry for position, just hurry up and give me a position. And then there are those that are hungry for the process. And, and I want us to notice Jesus intentionally chose men, that every time Jesus started teaching, where do we find the disciples? At his feet. Right? They, weren't, they weren't, most of the time, they weren't standing up interrupting Jesus, saying, hey, you know, your Sermon on the Mount's pretty cool, but I, I, I need to share some wisdom with you. They were sitting at his feet learning what Jesus, why? Because Jesus understood, I need people that not are hungry for position. I need people that are hungry for the process. I need people that are hungry to learn of me. I need people that are eager to grow. I need people that are eager to be poured into. When, when you are eager for a chance to speak, it reveals there's an issue there. Some of you are going to text me later and ask me if I was talking to you. Just right now, just take it for granted that I am talking to you. That way I don't miss anybody. Right? When we're eager for a chance to speak, when am I going to get my shot? When is pastor going to notice me? I mean, he's noticing this guy and that guy. When's it going to be my turn? I know I'm dealing with some stuff. I'm dealing with humanity right now. When, when we're eager for our opportunity, when, when is my gift going to be recognized? When, when is my gift? When, when, is there gonna be, when are they going to notice my gifting? There's a problem. Be eager to learn. Rather than being eager for your gift to be recognized, be eager for your gift to be developed. The Bible says this, that God-given gifts will make room for themselves. What does that mean? You don't have to push it. You don't have to make it happen. God will make it happen. If God has put a gift in your life, you don't have to, you don't have to manipulate things. You don't have to get connected to the right people. Amen. You don't have to get close to the right people. All you got to do is be eager to let God develop that gifting and it will make room for itself. You don't have to force it. The last place that you want to be, I'm going to say to you, the last place that you want to be in the kingdom of God is somewhere that God did not intend you to be. I know people, man, I, I want to be a pastor. I can't wait to be pastor. Well, you better be careful what you ask. Because if you try to pastor without an anointing on your life to be that, I promise you it's the last place in the world you want to be. Now, if God has called you to be that and he's anointed you to be that, then that's where you want to be. But we get into trouble when we start being envious, when we look at other people around us and we see what they've got. And they got a red Corvette. Well, I want a red Corvette. Do you want to pay the bill? No. Well, then stop coveting the Corvette if you don't want to pay the bill. Don't covet promotion. Covet process. Write that down if you weren't going to. Don't covet promotion. Covet process. Why? Because if you covet promotion, if I can just get that position... Well, when you get that position, you're done because that's what you've lived your whole life for is that position. And when, when we covet position, we limit our own growth. We limit our own development because we live for a position. And then when we get that position, man, we find out, well, it's not all I thought it was going to be. 
It doesn't, it doesn't complete me the way that anybody ever got a promotion and then you're like, man, I wish I could go back to, you know, less responsibility and, and whatever else, you know. But, but when you seek promotion, you limit your own growth because there's a lid on promotion. You can only be promoted so much. Once you're promoted to a position and that's what you've been seeking after that, then your growth stops there. But if you seek process... There is no limit to the process. When you seek growth, when God, I'm just hungry to grow, whether I ever get positioned, whether I ever get recognized or not, doesn't matter to me. I just want to grow. God, I'm sitting at your feet, and I'm asking you to pour into me. God, thank you for giving me a pastor that's willing to pour into my life Sunday after Sunday. Thank you for giving me leadership in this church that's willing to teach Wednesday after Wednesday and Sunday after Sunday. God, I just want to sit at your feet, and whatever you want to do, I trust you with the process. But, Lord, what I I'm eager for is not promotion. What I'm eager for is a process. And guess what? There's no end to the process. The process will keep on going. And you know what the process will do? It'll go from one promotion to another promotion to another promotion. And it will never end because you're not in it for the promotion. Promotion dies once you get there. But process keeps on going. Promotion comes with the process. But it doesn't end with the promotion. Joseph just kept on being promoted everywhere they put him. They put him in Potiphar's house. He gets promoted. A little trouble there. Goes into prison. Gets promoted. Forget about him there. But, but, but you just can't keep somebody who's committed to the process down. People who are in it for promotion, there's a lid on their growth. I, I, if you don't hear anything else I say tonight, I'm asking everybody in this building, get get. Hungry for the process. Get covet if you covet anything, covet the process. Don't covet for everybody to see your gifting. Covet for your gifting to be poured into. Covet for your gifting to be developed. Don't don't covet the moment that you can get the microphone. Covet people pouring into you. I want to learn. I don't want to show everybody how much I know. I want to get as much as I can get. And I'm telling you, you can't keep people like that down in the kingdom of God. But people that are manipulating, how can I, how can I make things fit so people can finally see how awesome I am? How can I maneuver things around so that finally I will get my opportunity? 1 Timothy 3 and 6 gives us a powerful principle. It says, speaking of a bishop, which is a high level of promotion in the scripture, Paul writes to Timothy and says, be careful, Timothy. Don't promote a novice. Now, one translation says, be careful about new converts. And I'm gonna tell you why. It says, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. It's not speaking, it's not saying new converts are bad. It's saying, let them develop. Let them go through the process. Because if you don't, if they start rising too quickly, the same thing that happened to the devil is going to happen to them. What, what was the fall of the devil? Pride. pride. What was the, I, want, I want God's position. I want, I want to be that guy. I want to be him. I want, I want people to look at me. I want to have the spotlight. I want to be the one that everybody is noticing. I want, and, and that's what happens when we try to skip the process. And we get hungry with promotion. We end up getting exalted too quickly. And then we start believing our own press. And the next thing you know, we end up in the same place as the devil. And I don't know if you all know where he's at, but I don't want to end up there. He got demoted. I'm pretty severe demotion. 
Right, so rebellion, that was, the, that was the sin of the devil. That was the fall of the devil, rebellion. We, we want to overthrow if we're not careful. If we allow envy to get into our heart and we don't deal with it, the next thing you know, we want to overthrow authority. If I could just get that guy out of the way. That's what the devil said about God. I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll make myself equal to him. If he don't give me an opportunity, I'll just go down the, down the road and start my own church. Well, I mean, that's what the devil did. He tried to start his own church. And God said, you, all, you ain't getting in my zip code. You're going to have to go find your own place to plant a church. I'm, I'm, am, I, am I in the scripture or not? All right, and I'm telling you, we got to be careful about envy. Envy is a dangerous thing. Envy is a day. Don't get hungry for the promotion. Get starving for the process. God, pour into me. Lord, give me more opportunities not to speak, but give me more opportunities to learn. Put people in my life, not that I can prove how wise I am, but put people of wisdom in my life so that I can glean from them and learn. And I promise you, if you will develop that appetite, there is no limit to how much God can elevate you in the kingdom. Now, if I got your toes, it wasn't an accident. And don't text me later, ask me to apologize, because I'm just telling you now, it's not going to happen. I'm shutting up my phone when I get home. But the Lord knew that as long as the dream was surrounded by cloaked hatred, Joseph, you don't know it, but they're just waiting for the right opportunity. Joseph, you don't know it, but inside of your brothers, there is hatred growing. You don't know it because you're just naive, Joseph. You're just, you know, you're just this kind-hearted dude that's skipping down the highway. But Joseph, they're just waiting for your demise. They're waiting. They're conspiring against your dream. And so, Joseph, I've got to get you away from your enemies. There will be a time. But right now, your dream is not mature enough to handle your enemies. There will be a time. Wait, you, you, I'm, not, I'm not saying you hate your enemies. There was a time that Joseph got back in the same room with his enemies, and he blessed them. And there will be a time when you'll get back in the room with your enemies, and you will bless them. Joseph fed his enemies. He, he fed the very men that tried to kill him. He fed the very men that sold him into slavery. And I'm not saying we write it again. This is not about getting rid of my haters. If you're a part of Living Hope, take the word haters out of your vocabulary. This isn't, that's not what this is about. There will be a time when the timing is right for you to bless your enemies. The timing is right for you to feed those that tried to destroy you. There will be a time for that. But when your dream is being developed, I've got to put you in a pit. Because if I don't, your dream is going to die in your father's house. If I don't, the people around you are going to limit your capability. And so I've got to use the pit to get you away and reveal who your enemies are. And when you get down in the pit, your enemies will be revealed. All them people that were around you for the fishes and loaves and what you had to offer and how awesome you were and how much money you had and that red corp, I mean, and that car that you drove up in. I mean, Reese drives up next week in a, in a, a beat-up 1987 Pinto station. I don't even know if they have those around anymore. He's going to have less friends. Was that 70s? We had one in the 80s. <laughs> think we have one in the 90s even anyway we were just a vintage family that's what it was but God will use a pit God will use a pit to reveal who your enemies are again not so oh my enemies my haters I'm gonna get my haters post about my haters on Facebook post about my haters on Instagram 
you missed the point. It's not what this is about. It's about your dream. It's about the dream that God gave you. The pit revealed to Joseph who his enemies were and isolated him from his enemies. Why? So that his dream could survive. The second purpose that we find in the pit is the pit repositions his dependence. Now there's an old saying that I think speaks volumes of truth. And that saying is simply this, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Is that true? Anybody? True statement? Yes. St. Mary's County used to be known as the good old boy connection. I mean, I remember those days when if you had the right last name, or you were friends with somebody who had the right last name, getting pulled over by the police in St. Mary's County was no problem, right? Well, I'm a Quaid, right? I'm a Dean or whatever. I mean, those were some of the names back in, in that. If you're a Quaid or a Dean, I apologize, but those were some of the prominent names in the county. When I was growing up, right, even Mr. Aldridge that we rented, that those were county names, and you just didn't, touch, you didn't mess with them. They were, they were the good old boys, right? And if you knew them, right, you could get a job pretty much anywhere. You walk in and say, well, I'm so-and-so, you know. I'm, I'm friends with Billy Joe whatever, all right. Oh, okay, we'll hire you then. Because it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And as long as Joseph was home at Canaan, he had a pathway paved to success, right? He had dad's favor. That's the lineage of Abraham, God blessing, all the way down upon Joseph's father. He had dad's favor. He wore the coat of many colors. It was all lined up. The rest of you brothers, you're going to trade school. Joseph, I got you a scholarship set up, buddy. I've got a college fund that I've been saving up for. You're going to Harvard. I've already got you in. You're going in, buddy. The path was paved to success. All he had to do was stay close to dad. But the pit robbed him of that connection. The pit took away his dependence on dad. It took away his dependence of, yeah, I'm, I'm related to Abraham. When they were living in Canaan saying, I'm a descendant of Abraham, that you, you walk into the restaurant and say, I'm a dependent of Abraham. They say, eat whatever you want, no charge. But in Egypt, who? Abraham, who's that? Means nothing. Here, Jacob, who's, who's Jacob? That, that, that gets you nothing in Egypt. When he was placed in Potiphar's house, telling, telling them in Potiphar's house that, hey, my dad's name is, is Jacob, did not give him any preferential treatment. Everything that he had relied upon to this point to get him ahead in life was removed from him. His dependence upon earthly connections is shattered. Now, if my dreams are going to come to pass, it's not because of who I know. It's not going to be because of my surname, my last name. But Joseph has to reposition his dependence. That's what the pit does, is it repositions his dependence. This is what the pit will do. This is the second purpose that you will find in the pit is it causes you to reposition your dependence. Whatever it may have been that you were dependent upon. It may have been a person that you were connected to that was your pathway to prominence. It may have been a position that you had. It may have been a skill set that you had acquired. It, it, it may have been, I don't know what, it may have been a red Corvette for all I know. All right, Reese, that was it, last shot. But the pit will reposition your dependence. In the pit, 
In Potiphar's house, Joseph recognized if I'm going, if my dream is going to come to pass now, it's not because dad's name is Jacob. It's not because of my coat of many colors, which my brothers took away from me. If I'm, if my dream is going to come to pass now, it's going to be because God brings my dream to pass. If my dream comes to pass now, it's not going to be because dad's name is Jacob. It's going to be because I've learned to depend upon God. If, come on, I'm, I'm telling you, we're in a place right now that the enemy is trying to tell people in this building that your dreams are dead because things that you used to have and connections you used to have that you don't have them any longer you need to get repositioned in your dependence that if you still got breath in your body and if God is still on the throne your dream is not dead if we're not careful we're trying to fight to get back hold of that old dependence of what I used to be. That, 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 I, I knew I had a paved road as long as I had that. Proverbs 81, verse 1 through 8. I want to read. I believe this is a, a psalm of dependence, a properly placed dependence. Psalms chapter 81. Listen to what David says. I love thee, O Lord, my strength. Not protein powder. Not 10 reps at the gym. No, not, not the right last name. No, I love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Listen, I'm telling you, we're in a time right now that a year ago things that we thought were so sure things that we could trust in and we could depend upon. All of that is being shaken and we can't trust in them. We cannot depend in them. Why? Why did God put me in this pit? I want out of this pit. No, God is trying to reposition your dependence because he knows your dream will not be all that it can be as long as you're depending on constitutions and you're depending on presidents and you're depending on people that you're related to to get you there. God is saying if, I, if your dream is going to be what I know it can be, then you've got to put your dependence on me. I will call upon who? I will call upon my daddy Jacob. No. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved. From, he didn't say I'll dial 911. He said I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And because I call upon the Lord, so shall I be saved from my enemy. The sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon who? David didn't say I called on Jesse. He didn't say I called upon King Saul. I didn't call upon the prophet Samuel. All of those dependencies had been stripped out of David's life. He said, I've learned there's only one that I can depend upon. Amen. I called upon the Lord. I cried unto my God, and he heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry came before him, even unto his ears. Listen what happened. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because of his wrath. My God got angry when I got his attention. Amen. There went up smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. Listen, all of this, these things that are going on right now, a big part of it is God is trying to reposition our dependence. God's trying to reposition our dependence. 
I want you to think about some of the main things that you could count on a year ago. How many of those have been stripped out of your life now? And God is saying, all right, church, is that enough? Are you ready to depend upon me now, or do we need to strip away some more? Are you ready now to to recognize that I'm your Savior, that I'm your provider, that I'm your healer, that I'm your keeper, that I'm the only one that can keep you secure, that I'm the only one that can keep you safe? Are you there yet, church, or do we need to dig a little bit deeper? I don't know about you, but I'm ready to say, okay, God, I depend upon you. In the midnight hour when I'm worried, in the midnight hour when there's fear, I'm going to put my trust in you, Lord. I've learned that all these things in the world that I thought were the thing that were holding me, Lord, in place are not there any longer, so I put my trust in you. Amen. The final purpose that Joseph found in the pit is the pit aligned Joseph for his destiny. The pit aligned Joseph for his destiny. How many of you have ever, can look back at your life, maybe if you're 15 it won't be hard, but how many of you can look back when you were 15? If you're 16, it might be a little challenging, but hopefully you can pull it off. You get up to where I'm at, it's a little bit more difficult. Others of you may be a little even more difficult. And you thought you had it all planned out, right? It's going to go like this, that, there, there. Perfect path. Now if you can look back and see it, Nothing like you thought it would be. I mean, you, you're probably, hopefully, you feel like you're in a better place. Maybe minus the millions that you were planning on. But if, if you do have the millions, the t- your tithe is not showing that. But if, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, it's part of my story too, all right? My dreams were millions too, and my tithe isn't reflecting that either. But Joseph had it all planned out. He's, he's got this dream, man, this dream. Stars, the moon and the stars are going to bow down. These, these sheaves of wheat are going to make obeisance before me. I've got a dream. I'm going place. I've got a coat of many colors. I've got favor. And at home, at dad's house, it was comfortable. It was convenient. But the dream would have literally been limited to influencing his own family. If Joseph would have stayed at home, It literally would have been his own family as all that he ever would have influenced. When the famine came, I don't know, maybe God would have given him that same ability to interpret a dream and he would have had enough to feed his brothers and his father. You know, 12 or 13 people get fed. But God's vision for Joseph, the reason God gave Joseph that dream was so much bigger than 12 or 13 people. It was an entire world. It was nations of people coming. And because of this dream that God gave Joseph, nations were fed during a famine. And, and, and God knows that as long as we stay in our place of comfort, our dream is going to be limited to our little circle of people, just the people that we grow up with, just the people that are right around us. Uh, but the dream that God gave Joseph was so much greater. It was bigger than just for being his own family. And the pit would have limited his influence and confined his destiny. So there had to be a pit. Because as long as he stayed in dad's house, it would have been comfortable, but it would have been confining and we want comfort I do I like comfort I got my wife a a foot massage thing for Christmas what what is it called I don't know one of them Mitsuhashi or something like that I don't know 
I probably butchered the pronunciation, but man, that thing is like, if, if there is anything about heaven that's on earth, that's one of them. They will have, everybody in heaven will have one of those where you sit down at the end of the day and you put your feet in there and it just goes to work. It's, it's magical. I don't even know why I started telling that story. <laughs> comfort, 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 <laughs> comfort. We like, we like comfort. We have our favorite seat in the house. We like comfort. We got our favorite pillow we sleep on. We like comfort. We like comfort. We like, Brooke likes it about 34 degrees where she sleeps. I like it about 68. Brooke is like, it's burning up in here. I'm like, icicles forming on your nose. Walk out in the morning and the air conditioner's on. It's 32 degrees outside and the air conditioner's on. All right, Reese and Brooke, you guys can get me back later, all right? It's Reese and Brooke pick on them night. But we like comfort. But the problem with comfort in the kingdom of God is it confines us. Your dream, what God has destined for your life will never be everything that it can be as long as you stay in a place of comfort. And God knows that. God says there's got to be a pit because your dream is bigger than just about you and your family. But as long as you stay at home in the comfort, that's all that you will ever influence. And God says, I've got to put you into a difficult place. I've got to put you into a pit because that is how the influence is going to be expanded. Amen. So God put him into a pit. That pit led him down a difficult path. If it were just the pit, that would be one thing. But the pit led him down a path that was filled with betrayal and hardship, false accusations, wrongful imprisonment. But the end of that pathway that started in a pit, that started with an uncomfortable situation that I guarantee you, if they would have said, hey, Joseph, what do you want? You want to go back home to dad or you want us to slap you around a little bit, beat you up and throw you in the pit? Joseph would have said, send me back to dad's house. Listen here, you little squirt. If you'll promise to go back to dad's house and never say another word about your dreams, we'll let you go back to dad's house. Or we're going to beat the snot out of you and throw you in the pit. Which one? Joseph would have said, I'll never say another word about my dreams. I'll go back to dad's house. But that pit led him down a pathway if he had to choose it, he would not have chosen that pathway. But the end of that pathway concluded with him sitting on a throne. It ended with him providing food in the midst of a famine. Now, in the end, his enemies would become his friends. And there is a time, as I stated earlier, where your dreams will be able to exist in the same room as your enemies. But there is also a time where God has to shelter your dreams so that it can mature and it can grow. So God is going to have to get you into an uncomfortable place. And we fight hard against the uncomfortable. We, we fight. When they were getting ready to throw Joseph in the pit, I, I mean, to me, Joseph, probably a little bit, you know, when everybody else out in the field working, Joseph's back home, probably, you know, not many calluses on his hands. I'm, anyway, you can read into that what you want. But I think in that moment, Bo, Joseph was putting up a little bit of fight. He didn't want to go into the pit. And we fight the pit. We don't want to go in the pit. We don't want to go into uncomfortable situ situations. We don't want to end up in, that's why they call it the pits, right? We don't want to be there. But there is purpose in the pit, amen? There is purpose in the pit. Why? Because the dream that God has placed within you, the ability to, for you to influence people is not going to be everything that it could be if you don't go through the pit. Wants to stand together. 
Let's raise our hands. How many of you? No, I'm not going to ask that. Not how many. You're all dealing with pits. You're all dealing. I'm just going to tell you, you're dealing with pits. And we spend the majority of our time trying to get out of pits, trying to avoid the pit, trying to circumvent the pit. How can I get back to dad's house? How can I get back? Man, that coat of many colors, I walked into Golden Corral. God, rest, rest in peace, Golden Corral. <laughs> of all the things COVID did, it took away our Golden Corral. No more buffets. But I walked into Longhorn and I had dad's coat on and they comped the meal. If I could just get back to dad's house, I had the connections there. I had it all figured out. This is how it's going to work out. My brothers were dreaming with me. No, no, Joseph, you're just naive. They, they were waiting for you to turn your back. But if I could just get back to dad's house, if I could just get back into the comfort and God is saying, no, Joseph, I've got to put you in a pit because there are some things right now that are working to kill your dream that you don't even see that they're there. Joseph, I've got to put you in the pit because I've got to align you with your destiny. Joseph, I've got to put you in the pit. There's a purpose for the pit. I want us to raise our hands together. I want us to ask God not to get us out of the pit. But God, keep me in the pit. I don't mean keep me there forever. I mean protect me while I'm in the pit. Bring me through the pit, God, because I know there's a pathway. It may not be the pathway that I had destined, that I had dreamed. It may not be the pathway that I thought. But God, I know at the end of the pathway, if I'll trust you, if I'll trust you, the end result is that the dream that you placed within me, the dream that you placed within me, God, is going to impact more people than if I just stay sitting in my comfort zone. I'm asking you, I know I've kind of segued off into some other situations, but, but I want to ask you if you're harboring hatred and envy in your heart. If you find yourself envying promotion, I'm asking you right now to ask God to help you. Not to envy promotion, but God, give me a hunger for the process. I, I beg you tonight, don't, don't envy after what your brother has. You may not be willing to make the payment they had to make to get it. Don't envy for God to put you in a place where there's not an anointing for you to be in that place. You won't survive it. You'll end up in the same condemnation as the devil did. If you find yourself consumed with thoughts about your haters, get rid of that. There's no time for that. Joseph didn't focus on his haters. He focused on his dream. And in the end, his haters became his friends again. When all you can dream about, when all you can think about is your haters, you can't go anywhere. And they're a dead weight that hold you down. So I've given us so much right now to pray about, but I want you to pray because there might be some of you dealing with some and others dealing with others. Jesus, I thank you tonight that there's a purpose in the pit. The Bible said they put Joseph in that pit and there was no water in the pit. It was a dry place. And here's those that are supposed to be closest to him in his life standing above him having just beaten him and thrown him in the pit. And now they're conspiring as to whether they kill him or make a few dollars off of him. It was an empty place. It was a lonely place. 
And yet, God, it was a necessary place. And the things that we're going through right now, God, they've stripped many of us, God, of our sense of comfort. They've stripped us, God, of the connections, the pathway that we thought we could see exactly how it's all going to play out. And now we're in an uncomfortable place. And yet, God, tonight I pray that we would search really hard right now, that we would look through the eyes, not of the flesh, but the eyes of the Spirit and understand that, God, there is purpose in this pit. There is purpose that you have placed me in this pit for this time. There's a reason that I'm in this lonely place. There's a reason that I'm in this empty place where there's no water. I'm thirsty. I just want somebody. But, God, you're isolating me from those things that would kill my dream if they had the opportunity. you trust God? Come on, do you trust God? Do you trust Him with your dreams? Do you trust Him that He knows and He sees things you can't see? He knows when you're in the other room and in the, in the room down the hall, your brothers are conspiring and you don't even know it. And so God has got to isolate you long enough for your dream to mature. Amen? Do we trust God tonight? Before we leave, I want to ask us all, one more time, get, well, you can't get the hand of your neighbor. If you're married to that person, you came in the same family, get the hand of your neighbor. If not, just put your hand in the same direction as your neighbor. Post-COVID prayers or mid-COVID prayers are different, right? But I want you to pray, God, give us as a church a hunger, not for position, not for promotion, not for our gifts to be revealed, but for our gifts to be nurtured. Sometimes we want something so bad because it makes sense to us and all along if we settled for that what God has wanted to do is so much different and so much bigger so I'm asking us in this room tonight and I don't, I don't think we have an issue with it in this church I don't I really don't but I want to ask you right now God help me to be willing to sit at your feet God I don't need promotion if you choose to give it to me then Lord in your time I receive it but what I need right now, God, is the process. I want to grow. I want to grow in my knowledge. I want to grow in understanding. I want to grow in being more like you, God. And I know that if I'll grow in you, God, if I'll just stay committed to the process, whatever promotions you have, they will come. But I don't want to limit myself by becoming consumed with promotion. I want to loose you to do whatever you want to do in my life by being committed to the process. How many of you know you got more to learn? I do. I got more to learn. I got so much more to learn. I want to sit in the room with people that know more than me, and I just want to listen. I want to hear them speak. I want to, I want to hear those, those wise men of God as they begin to speak, and I, want to, I just want to receive that into my spirit because I want to grow. Amen? Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm